I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! this morning again to consider the nature and the mission of the church and our calling as the church, the body of Christ. How many of you know that we are the church? We truly are. The church isn't something mysterious out there. The church is right here. Jesus said, Two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of it. We're here in the name of Jesus. This is the church. He is with us. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we look back at some 2,000 years of church history and we realize he meant what he said. And he's still at work today building his church. And you know, sometimes we look at the church and it looks, you know, rather humble, even rather broken and weary and needy, but it's still the church. And he's faithful to his own church. And it's important for us not to judge the church based on worldly standards. You know, we think about the church and how do we measure the church? How, is the, how do we know that the church is fulfilling its purpose? Well, let me tell you, more important than our numbers, more important than our wealth, more important than our influence <clears throat> uh, in politics, more important, all of the things that we might measure in terms of the, the worldly temporal influence of the church, the Lord looks at us with love and he's more concerned about our worthiness, our faithfulness to Him than any worldly measure of success that we might consider. I heard a story about a, a denomination with a new executive who decided that uh, they were going to focus in some new areas to develop new churches and they wanted to close down a lot of the older churches and sell the property and use the investment in the right places to grow. And they were having this meeting and talking about this plan. And the plan was that every church that didn't grow at least 10% was subject to be considered for closure and to sell the property. Well, one of the elders on the board got weary of this talk and he said to the new executive, the new president of this denomination, 
he said, where did you get permission to do this? And he said, well, I'm going to get permission from the board. And he said, the board, this board doesn't have authority to give you permission to do that. Because those churches don't belong to this board. They belong to Jesus. Jesus, the, we didn't start those churches. Jesus did. We can't finish the work that Jesus began. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can shut down his church. And he's not shutting down his churches. What he's doing? What's he doing? Jesus is taking his church and even each remnant of his church and he's giving life he's giving power he's giving us the resources to fulfill the purpose that he has given and so how many of you know that the church does not belong to any man not to any denomination not to any organization the church belongs to Jesus Christ that's where our strength is. That's where our hope is. And that's what we know as a church established here, right here in this community, that God has a purpose for us. God is not finished with us yet. Jesus is building his church right here among us, and we're part of it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And you'll see the importance of these words as the Apostle Paul is explaining to these believers the importance of the church. And how it is, what are the, the true standards, the true measurements of the church in terms of God's purpose? Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's why the church exists. Because of the calling that we have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another <clears throat> in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given by Christ, apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, what does it mean that he ascended? Except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. He descended, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now notice this part, verse 14. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Each part does its work. Paul is talking about the miracle of the church of Jesus Christ and how he is establishing it in the earth just as he promised. And this is about so much more than people coming together and agreeing on the kind of organization they will have in order to fulfill their religious... He's talking about Jesus who came, descended from heaven down to the earth to save us. And then he ascended back to the, 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 the right hand of God and established his church to usher in his kingdom from generation to generation. This is incredible work that God is doing. The church. And so when we think the church is uh, perhaps weak or feeble or in need, God has such a great mission, purpose in mind. And we all, all are all part of it. However small or however great we might be. I was uh, reading recently about uh, this, the largest church in the history of Christianity in Seoul, Korea, you know about Pastor Yang Gi Cho's church and how they've gone through some hard times in recent years. This church that has grown to over 800,000 people. 800,000. And I visited there a few times. But the last time I was there, I'll never forget, it was a Saturday. And went, it looks like a huge sports stadium. I think they seat like 50,000 people. Anyway... They had 18 weddings scheduled that Saturday in different rooms throughout the church. And the activity, the, all that was going on. <clears throat> what an incredible influence this church has been worldwide. But the church has come into some hard times. Perhaps you heard about Pastor Cho and his son. And uh, <clears throat> the investments that went bad, wrong. And the accusations and the charges of embezzlement and the conviction of Pastor Cho and him going on probation and how sad it has been to see the leadership of this church uh, in uh, confusion and conflict and uh, no one knows exactly all that happened. But reading that and concerned about it, I was like, you know what? Here is the story about Pastor Cho and his family and his prodigal son that has gotten the church in trouble over all this and how Pastor Cho was swept up in this and he himself has been accused of these things. That's not the real story. You know what the real story is? The church is still there. Isn't it wonderful that when we see our spiritual leaders fall, we see the church turns to Jesus, and the church only grows stronger in Christ. And that's a good thing. 
And Pastor Cho has said over and over again, I have failed you, but Jesus Christ will never fail you. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Isn't it great that Jesus is the head of the church? And there's no worldly leader, earthly leader, Christian leader, spiritual leader that we can ultimately depend on. How many of you have been disappointed by at least one Christian leader? Oh, hasn't it happened? Over and over again. Christian leaders by nature will disappoint us. But every time we get disappointed, we need to realize that gives us all the more reason to depend upon Jesus Christ as the head of his church, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, I want us to look at three things regarding this scripture. First of all, I want us to see the measure of the church. How does God measure the church? We can have our opinions, right? We could do a survey of what we like and don't like about the church. How does God measure the church? Well, first of all, he wants the church to be worthy of its calling. Isn't that important? To be worthy. We're here. Not because we want to join an organization, but because we're called. And we want to live worthy of our calling. And then here, we say the church needs to be the character that he measures. Humble, gentle, and patient. Oh my goodness. If we're looking at ourselves in terms of how we're living the life the church of the church that God has called we need to think about our own character our own behavior humility patience love and concern for others we realize that God wants his church to show worthiness David Griffiths and I have been talking recently about the uh, <clears throat> the confusion in the church over uh, a political correctness and identity politics and how the church is sweeping that way. You know what? It's a dangerous thing whenever the church becomes more worldly to try to reach the world. Jesus never called the church to be worldly. He called the church to be worthy. Do you hear what I'm saying? Worthy. And guess what? The world isn't going to like us when we're like Christ. What did they do to Christ? What will they do to the church? They will reject us. They won't understand until their minds are renewed. And so it must not be about compromise. It must not be about copying worldly ways. It must be about worthiness. What's another measure of the church here? It says that We need to be bearing with one another in love, bearing each other's burdens, caring for each other, supporting each other. That's what the church is supposed to be about. And then we need to make every effort to be in unity. Unity, how? One one Lord, one faith, one bat. We are one because God has made us one through these things that cause us all to come together and join in one faith. And so this is the measure of the church that God has given us. Isn't it important that we don't measure the church by worldly standards? 
by, you know, how large we are, by our buildings and architecture, by our, our music and the entertainment that we might provide, even the political influence that we might have on the... But he wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be worthy. He wants us to have spiritual integrity. And I'm thinking, you know what? As a church, here we are again in our annual meeting. Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want us... And the Lord says... He wants us, this, you know, he's given us a lot to work on when it comes to our worthiness, our faithfulness, our integrity, the unity that he has for us. And let me just say this as pastor, as I've been here now for several years, and I've watched this church, and I've watched the challenges, and somehow... There's been a, 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 a steadying and a deepening that has taken place to prepare us for what is ahead. Do you understand what I'm saying? I truly believe this. And God takes as long as he takes to steady us, to deepen us, to build the foundation. How many of you know that if you're going to build something great, you have to dig a big hole? To pour a big foundation. And there may not be anything on the surface. But the foundation is there in preparation for the great things to come. Let me tell you. Can I just say this? I believe that God is establishing a great foundation here. Steadying. The deepening. How long does it take? What do we... It's all about faithfulness. God's timing. In God's way. And we're not looking any place but up. But let me tell you, I'm practically speaking, what he's, he, in, every year he is increasing our capacity to serve, to do more, our relationships in the community. I think about this van today. How many of you, that's a, that's a significant breakthrough? It, for this church, that's a, that's a significant breakthrough. And uh, we, 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 we needed a, a way to transport kids. Hope Christian School gave us a bus. And it's more bus than we needed, but it got us started. And we still have that bus. But increasing our capacity to minister to the community. And uh, in so many ways, he's showing us that he's preparing us, preparing us for the future. And we need to be excited about it. I was talking to hygienists this morning about Gideons and how they're going out to high schools to give Bibles to high school students and how excited those students are. I think, you know, this is good work. And we're supporting this Gideons ministry. And I said, I said, hygienists, would you give us the, the schools that are, we can pray for those schools before you go out. How many of you will pray for a school? If you know there's going to be... Is this God's work? Absolutely. And we must do it. Anyway, the measure of the church. We are looking only to God regarding who we are and what we are supposed to be doing and our value to His kingdom. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're not looking certainly to the world. We're not looking to anyone to tell us how we should, <clears throat> we should do church. 
we're looking to God and believe that just as Jesus promised, he will build his church here and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. Number two, we look at the measure of the church. Let's look at the ministry of the church. And here the context of our ministry is Christ's work in his descension and his ascension. Wow, that's quite an inspiring picture, isn't it? Jesus coming from heaven, going to the lower parts of the earth to save us and then to lift us up to our eternal place with God. And he's saying that's why we're the church and our ministry is based on Christ's heavenly purpose. So listen, we get focused on this horizontal idea of the church. You know, how many people we have, how much influence. No, it's the vertical picture that we've got to keep in mind. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about Jesus coming. It's about our part in that. It's about fulfilling our destiny in terms of our relationship with our Father. How wonderful that is. And so, through this process, Paul's saying, he has given the church gifts in order to fulfill his mission on the earth. And he says, he has given us, he, he gave, what? He established the church, and he has given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip us to do the work of the ministry. We're saying, this is God's business, and he's doing it. And what a wonderful, wonderful ministry it truly is. The purpose of this, to prepare God's people for works of service. And we realize this is what it's all about. It's about participating in a real way in Christ's mission of redemption, which is so much greater and so much more wonderful than anything we see or know in this world, in this life. So we're being prepared through the teaching, through the work of our pastors, of our evangelists, those who are called to set in order and establish. And we realize this is the ministry that Christ has for us. And what does this lead to? Well, the third thing, our maturity. The measure of the church, the ministry of the church, the maturity of the church. And here he says, stop being little babies, infants, that are tossed back and forth by different kinds of doctrine. By different leaders that only confuse you. And do what? Grow up. Grow up in the word. Get established in your faith. Get your eyes on Jesus. Grow to the fullness of his purpose. And he says, how do you know you're grown up? You're able to what? Take a stand. You're able to speak the truth in love. And you're able to be fruitful. Season after season. That's what we're supposed to be. That's how we grow into the fullness of the body of Christ. 
And so that's pretty plain speech, isn't it? Grow up. Stop being a baby. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom. It's about losing ourselves as we grow in faith. As we learn the awesome responsibility of speaking the truth in love to one another and to the world. You think about the balance in that. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Some people like to speak the truth even without love, right? And it only hurts your feelings. Some people would love and never speak the truth. But to speak the truth in love enables us to grow up. Because that's what God does to us. And we need to do that with one another. How many of you have a, at least one or maybe even a few really good trusted friends who you can count on to tell you the truth? And they love you enough not to let you go on in error, but they'll let you know that you need to change. Something's wrong. Something is needed. I hope that we're all that way. And uh, <clears throat> that's a sign of spiritual maturity in the way the church is supposed to live and how important it is. Absolutely. And so what happens here? We grow up. The whole body joined, held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Each part does its own work. What is that? That's a healthy church. That's a growing church. That's a fruitful church. And each of us, each of us are, have a part in God's plan in being the church. And here I must, I must ask you, do, do, are, are you growing in your sense of what, how God has gifted you and how God wants you to serve Him? And oh my goodness, I look out at our church and I see people with gifts of, of teaching and of helps and of service and healing and encouragement and gifts, gifts that God has given. We need those gifts to be released. We need to take responsibility for them. We need to know that they're right. And uh, here I don't want to just you know point people out. I mean, I could name all of you, but... I'm seeing Lauren back here, and when we needed someone to help with cleaning the church and taking care of it, you know, he stepped up, and uh, he comes down here, and he cleans, and he stays, and he praises each, he knows he's serving God by cleaning the church. And let me say this, you know what, we should all have that sense of devotion, and whatever, if it's a singing a song, it's, if it's, Praying for someone that's in need. If it's teaching a class, it's helping a child, whatever it is. We do it as unto the Lord. And God blesses us. Amen? Do we know that God has a lot more for us individually, as families, as a church? Absolutely. Will we face challenges in the future? Absolutely. But we know that God has something great.